I was watching a behind-the-scenes documentary that featured a few big movies like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Terminator 2, uh, and so forth. Uh, It narrated a story about having to innovate to create better movies using new camera systems, new rigs, modeling, stop-motion techniques, and so forth. What I found most interesting was when there was a transition period to digital filmmaking, there was such a abrasion, like a resistance to go digital. And that struck a nerve with me because here's experts in the field for inventing ways to make movie magic happen. And they were very abrasive to change, especially when it comes to digital. Now, this happened like way back in the night, in the 80s, early 90s. And we can kind of see where that transition happened, like with Jurassic Park, um, The Mummy and all those uh, other movies. And it it really got me thinking because when it comes to aviation and maintenance, especially, we're still having those same abrasions when it comes to digital. Uh, This may sound contradictory because why wouldn't airplanes and such not want to be digital? But this is kind of like another reason why we're going into this because it it doesn't seem like it should be a problem, especially because you want digital stuff. You want things to be more interactive. You want things to be more analytical, see more, do more lighter and stuff like that. Store more data. Yes. Yeah. Right. Now, do you think though, do you think, you know, like you said, there's the, there's always resistance to change no matter what you got going on. But I feel like we've been in the digital age for quite some time. So is the resistance because there's still an older generation out there in the workforce? Or do you think it's because of cost of transitioning from paper to, uh, to digital? And I'll give you an example, sort of <clears throat> not really paper to to digital, but it, it might as well be some archaic technology moving to digital. And in some uh, Citation aircraft, especially the older model Encores, uh, Excels, and XLSs, uh, every month you have to load the navigational charts um, into the aircraft. And I can tell you on many of the aircraft, I would have to go buy online or find a oh my gosh what was the uh giant electronic stores oh um, like circuit city <laughs> yeah but there's another another one out there there's still one in texas i remember because that's the only place oh, i could like, actually find these floppy disks oh like nobody the- remembers what a floppy disk is <laughs> so <laughs> like i had to special yeah dude i had to specialty order a floppy disk card reader essentially that I could plug into my laptop so I could download the charts onto a floppy disk. So then that I could go and load it in the aircraft and you would have to do one floppy disk at a time. And it never failed. You would always get to the second to last or last floppy disk. You're at 98% and you get a corrupted or floppy disk unreadable. And you would have to go find a whole new set of floppy disks, download it all again. Try again. I remember one night I went through four sets of floppy disks. There's about nine, nine to ten floppy disks a piece, mind you, for all the nav charts for one month. 
And I went through four different sets one night till I got one that finally loaded the whole thing. And I was like, this is madness. I always hated that job. It was very simple, but I always hated it because you're sitting there just staring at it like, don't you fail me, you piece of crap. <laughs> and I remember uh, calling uh, maintenance control and said, hey, you know, nav charts are loaded. Uh, I submitted all the forms, you know, just review them and give me a thumbs up on the release or flight. And I'll lock the door and throw the sticker on it. The, uh, you know, anti anti tamper sticker on the door. Uh, and I was like, but I got to I got to ask you, I was like, why in today's day and age are we still using floppy disks to load these charts? And and the answer they gave me was cost. It was at the cheapest $10,000 to upgrade from a floppy disk in that aircraft to a uh, to a USB option. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, okay, $10,000. But they also had a fleet of uh, 17 aircraft that needed it. So, you know, take 17 times 10,000. It's a pretty big chunk of change. Yeah. Not saying you'd have to do it all at once, but but like many places we've all been in, the the answer always is, well, you made it work. Just make it work again. Yes, exactly that. (laughs) Exactly that. So I wonder if the hindrance to move to digital is more cost driven than it is uh resistance to want uh, of people to want to use the digital systems or learn a digital system right right and i believe you're right in that regard especially because because of the cost right and we can see this now with uh, certain people upgrading their uh, personally owned aircraft or a company owned aircraft from analog to full glass cockpits uh, we've had multiple episodes on that. I'm like the pain of having to do that or especially to retrofit new stuff into older fuselages, older planes. Like sometimes like it's not specifically meant for you to do that. And for you to make that happen, you got to cut stuff away. You got to add stuff in. It saves weight in some areas, but it, it adds weight in others. It, it's a whole lot of engineering craziness. And where are we at now with some of these planes? They kind of sort of do some of that stuff already. Uh, we see it now, like in aircraft Wi-Fi, uh, you can use you can use your cell phone on the plane. Like, because there was always this moniker, like if you use your cell phone on a plane, you're going to wreck the system and crash it. Things of that nature. Nowadays, we're in the time and age where that's almost non-existent now. Um, so that's interesting, and I haven't really paid too close attention to that because. Since I've kind of stopped going on the road as much, I haven't, I haven't, you know, for work, I haven't really paid too close attention to the airlines and all that. But just last weekend, uh, you know, Kool-Aid and I traveled to visit her family uh, in Mexico, but we flew on a Mexican airline and they said laptops and iPads had to be turned off, but your cell phone did not have to be turned off. And I thought, that's interesting. I thought all electronics had to be turned off. Right. <laughs> uh, so you're right. We were moving beyond even, you know, the technology is moving beyond where you know, aircraft signals aren't being uh, destroyed by your signal that's being output by your cell phone or whatever else. Although apparently a laptop can still do that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's confusing to really me as well. Into, into right. That more. 
So like we're, we're getting in that direction, but there's other areas and most of it or a good chunk of it is maintenance related. Um, like the maintenance logs and records are lagging. Your uh, si- um, sign off and inspection systems are lagging. There's talks of it happening now, especially with when it comes to like predictive maintenance systems. And we've had an episode on that as well. Like it starts talking about what the benefits are from moving from analog physical paperwork stuff to digital fully integrated contained into an ipad style maintenance and by all means this sounds fantastic right if you're if you're very tech savvy now and i'm sure the future of aviation is going to be all of your maintenance manuals in literally the palm of your hand or like in a pair of sunglasses that you can project holograms through a screen or something like that like a like uh what's it uh back to the future or something like that <laughs> but um well actually isn't somebody out there developing those right now for maintenance where you i mean <clears throat> on your safety goggles will have a hud and you you'd be able to pull up even maintenance manuals on the hud of your safety glasses right yes i think uh matter of fact that was mentioned by the larson's uh motorsport or yeah oh, that's the, right yeah yeah, it was mentioned by them. And I was like, that blew me away when that was that was possible. It's like, eventually it's going to be like Iron Man where like you just have like this little tennis ball thing and then it projects like a Jarvis or something and it tells you everything about the plane. The good part about that is it gives you like real-time response like um, or should I say real-time actionable info because a lot of times, especially with some systems now, like there's a lag in how soon or how late the, the information comes through uh and some of it it all depends on the server or depends on how soon or how late you pull the data and stuff like that we're going to some really nerdy stuff but it's the good part about it is the the infrastructure of it once it's working it's super fast and you can store a lot of stuff uh some upwards uh whatever is larger than a terabyte i think it's exabyte or something like that but imagine like how much like a two terabyte hard drive can hold Shit, I got like 10 years of my life in, into a hard drive and I'm barely scratching the surface on this thing. Now imagine like, say something as big as exabytes and stuff like that. You can have all those years of, of uh, information, of data and records and stuff just being stored into basically the palm of somebody's hand and you can access it at any point in time. That's the good part, <laughs> right? That's the good part. Um, there's also less moving parts. So there's less chances of things breaking. There's uh, less neat because something you can store so much in such a small space. Now you got more air quote real estate to do stuff with, right? Now that's the nice side of things. Uh, as MVP has alluded to earlier in the episode, like the cost to make this happen, I believe that's where we run into one of the major issues because, yeah, we have all this huge library of logs and records and manuals and history. Then we're gonna take all of that and convert it into basically a hard drive or a server room of hard drives. That takes a lot of time. <laughs> and then I don't know the full cost overrun of how much that would how, how much that would go for, but I would imagine like uh, depending on how much history you're trying to cram into it, it, it take you upwards of I don't know like a month, uh, depending on how many people are working on it. You gotta pay for those too. And then if your current setup is not equipped to handle that kind of an upgrade, because that's a big one too, 
uh we've mentioned that as well like we had we've had to put new stuff in old aircraft sometimes it's just as much as we want to it's just not going to happen <laughs> right yeah i mean uh it's just not economical in some some cases or the benefits kind of the benefits of of the upgraded system don't don't outweigh the cost of the asset you're putting them in sometimes in some cases the cost of the uh upgraded electronic system is worth more than the value of the aircraft yes although some may argue that you know the value is determined is uh, determined by the owner right if it's got sentimental value to them because it was their grandfather's aircraft then to them they don't they don't mind upgrading the electronics but <clears throat> you know like you t- you mentioned uh digital you know maintenance records and all that um i've i've used probably four different systems now for uh electronic uh maintenance records and i i got to tell you nothing is foolproof each is dependent upon the success of each has been dependent upon the person inputting the data. Yes. You're still, even with all this digitation, uh, is that right? Digitation. Did I say that right? Uh, digitation, digit, digit, digitization. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's it. (laughs) I I just made up a Pokemon name. (laughs) 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 But anyways, um, you know, for as good as, as they are, they're only as smart as the people using it. Uh, for example, the one system we have now, we just had a, uh, situation today where, you know, we went back through the archives, uh, looking, uh, well, basically them saying, you know, Hey, uh, we need your guys's buy off on these fluid samples to, to be good. And you're like, well, some of these samples failed. We're awaiting the retest. You know, we haven't seen the results of the retest. And then we kind of look further and we're like, Hey, there's actually the job package for us to sign hasn't even been loaded. And then the finger pointing starts going around. Well, who's supposed to load that? So the people who maintain that system say, well, that's not our responsibility. But then if you look in the historical archives, you see that it's been, in fact, that department who's loaded every job package. But then they're, you know, they made a good point. They're like, well, but we're not the ones actually working on it. The maintenance group should actually be the ones loading that. And we're kind of like, all right, I agree with that. You guys are just the custodians of it, but. But like even again, for as good as they are, everything should be automated. Uh, it still has flaws, and that's because of the human human factor. Um, yes. But the one excellent thing about digi- digitized forms am I am I saying that right again, everybody? Uh, mm-hmm. Digitized digital forms um, is that they they track keystrokes. So if anybody goes in there and tries to do some shady stuff or try to delete some or an erroneous write-up or whatever, try to hide mistakes. Um, I mean, they might be successful in removing it, but you can always figure out who did what, where, because, and see exactly what they did because it, it tracks each keystroke you do in the system. So it's good for uh, investigative purposes or, you know, uh, trying to figure out the history of something. Yes. Or say, hey, I saw that write-up in there. What happened to it? Uh, I don't know. We ne- we never loaded it, and you're going. That's funny. I swear I saw it in there an hour ago. So you start 
digging through the forms like, oh, it was there and you guys removed it. Why? You know? Right. Yes. And that's another big one too. And that, that that's a good uh, pro of having stuff that's uh, digital. Uh, you made a, made a very great point about the human factor of it all. Because even with forms, regular hard copy forms, you're having to decipher what that person wrote or what that person meant. And it can be very challenging. I'll say like uh, sometimes uh, when you leave it up to a forms, it's kind of like at the whim of the person. If they're inputting it right, if they even choose to write it up that way. Now we say we switch to digital there. You, there's ways to program it, code it, or some programs actually have this feature where you can't progress any, uh, any further until you've completed a certain percentage of the form, like cause, uh, malfunction or defect code, stuff like that. And, but again, like as MVP said, like it's still subject to human error because sometimes you might have wrote it wrong or you might have input it into the system wrong or the, there's a glitch in the system for whatever reason. It's not accepting your sign off or your write up. So you have to like ghetto rig some kind of way to bypass the safety feature in some of these programs. And it's not perfect because uh, just like uh, teaching a new person how to do forms, you got to teach this computer how to take it to. And especially when it comes with computers now, where it's not like you can just say, hey, you're doing it wrong. Figure your life out. You have to like move things around, switch some software up, put some stuff in. We're going, and then we're again, we're going into some heavy uh, nerd stuff. Like uh, for yeah, bad, a lack lot of ones and zeros. Yes. <laughs> and uh, one other thing I've uh, want to mention too, and you kind of touched base on it was the issue with digital, which I believe a lot of people are abrasive to as well is when the system crashes, right? <laughs> and we've, we've talked about this numerous times where, um, if all of your records and your logs and your, your work histories are in a system and it crashes, what the hell do we do now? <laughs> right. Then some, in some places they're not equipped to do that. Like they're full digital, full cloud computing, full, whatever. There's many industries galore about that, where they don't double document stuff and for good reason why they don't. But when a server like that crashes, it's almost like a full stop. Like everyone stop what you're doing, freeze in place until the system comes back up. It's like Jurassic Park again, <laughs> going back to that movie yeah. reference. <laughs> oh man, I'll never forget the day you <laughs> did that in that meeting and blew everyone's minds. That was fun. But it, but it's true. Like uh, nothing works. Everything's going wild. Um, no one knows what to do because they because everything is dependent on the server or the system or the program to work. And especially if you're in this transition phase from analog to digital, you, you may not have a contingency plan in the event something like this happens. Now, if you are going from analog to digital, you may just so happen to have physical forms to kind of back yourself up. But if uh, we've seen this happen uh, plenty of times where we're in this area where they they're make trying to transition to full digital and so they started getting rid of forms and a lot of the individuals who knew how to use forms don't remember how to do it or they've moved on to greener pastures and now the, there's a knowledge gap of how to do it manually. So then they were just like, full stop, what do we do? We can't do shit. And, and 
thankfully for certain uh, places, it's that's not the case because <laughs> that would really suck. But uh, for areas like that, that's another issue with going full digital is like you got if you don't have a backup plan to this or if you don't in the in a way save your game uh, in multiple places, then you're screwed as far as your history is concerned. Right. Not- that's exactly where I was going to jump in at with it was the you learn that your your system's only as good as its backups. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, if the system crash and, crash and you have no backup data, you've got no historical records for that that aircraft. That that doesn't fly with the FAA. You know, there's mm-hmm. got to be some form of backup. And you say, okay, well, I have a digital backup. Okay, well, again, are you, is that data being backed up? Are you verifying that? You know, otherwise, some people would like just they'll periodically print the forms and three hole punch them and stuff them into a binder. It gets dusty on a shelf. Right. Yeah. But at least there's something, uh, you know, ran into a situation again in my own area of work recently. We uh, we had an I.T. professional and they were new. Um, you know, a, a job came up on the on the call board and they said, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to go do that. Now they weren't trained to operate on that system yet being new, but they also weren't ignorant to the task either as, as to why, you know, they got the job in the first place. So they had some skill set. but anyhow, with like with any unfamiliar system, they were doing their best. They were good intentions, you know, uh, inadvertently deleted data and we're going well, poop. Okay, that's fine. Uh, let's just pump the brakes for 30 minutes to an hour here till we can uh, pull the backups up and uh, get everything reloaded. And uh, we'll be good to go. Uh, come to find out, there were no backups. Uh, there were at one time, but I guess they ran out of storage space and nobody chose to say anything that they were out of storage space. So they were just overriding old data. Uh, oh my like, God. Well, you can't overwrite the old data because now we don't have any historical archives. <laughs> our, our historicals are as deep as the last overwrite. Um, like, oh my God, what's happening? So, <laughs> so it's just, you know, so for all the smart program in the world, uh, it's still, it still crippled us for a short time. Um, fortunately, you know, we were, uh, we have some, very technical savvy people that could decode a bunch of different stuff and recover from recover eons of data from a otherwise broke system. But what a, what a, what a nightmare, right? So I guess worse, you know, you could say, okay, if we had paper backups, like, all right, well, worst case scenario, someone's now going to spend a lot of time hand jamming all this data back into the digital format. And then back it up from there. But at least you had something to go off of. Yes. Best case scenario, stuff got deleted. You go, why? And you're like, I was just trying to help out and get things done. Be proactive. Appreciate your effort. Maybe maybe ask somebody next time. Slap them on the back of the hand. Everybody goes back to work. You reload your historical data and you're off and running. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kind of blowing my mind right now. Like zero zero history whatsoever and then no no paper backups to begin with like yeah that that must have sucked 
And, and overriding the historical data. So your historical data is, I, let's just say, you know, they were re- overriding once a week. So I only have a, a week's worth of history on that asset. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> now, now for those of who are unversed, right? Espe- depending on the organization you're with, especially if it falls under certain FAA regulations, like you must maintain at least a year's worth of data, a year's worth of history for each individual aircraft, for each action, for each operation, stuff like that. At least a year. Like, like uh, some will probably want to go as far back as two years, but at minimum one year. And to have that all crunched down to one week, oh, there would be so many red flags popping up at that moment, which is why we freak out about stuff like that. And this kind of brings me to another great point. Uh, to kind of round a lot of this out is the dependence on technology, which I believe is the the human side of it where where a lot of people are having issues is because there's a lot of uh, air quote old school people who feel like some of the newer mechanics coming up are too reliant on technology. And there's there's truth to this as we've mentioned in some episodes where uh, some some of the newer mechanics or newer technicians, they get very reliant on the system, whether it be the maintenance server or the aircraft itself, like telling them what is wrong. Or it's almost, I wouldn't say idiot proof, but it's very easy to isolate the issue. Like a light goes off, uh, uh, a, a thing blinks on the screen, something like that where it says like something is wrong. Or throws out like a like a check engine light code, something like that, and that kind of takes away from the the troubleshooting aspect of things, where like you actually have to chase it down, figure out why it's wrong. And some individuals, especially these air quote old school people that I talk about, like they become very good of understanding the system or understanding the aircraft, like. We've made jokes about some individuals, they could hear a plane just pass by and they can tell you 100% what's wrong with the plane. Like they could just smell the the fuel trail that it leaves behind and they can say, oh, like it's burning too hot or the engine is leaking oil or something like that. <laughs> right. So, uh, but again, like the dependence on technology bit, like that kind of, we kind of mentioned this already with the system crashing, but it's also with like, when it comes to like, just, hard skills like especially with like um troubleshooting is a big one or another one is using manuals uh using your fault isolation trees stuff like that like we've uh we slowly walked away from using those hard skills of having to problem solve what the aircraft's going on we just kind of left it up to the plane to tell us what is wrong and in an in a way that's good because now we've advanced the system so well where like for something to be completely off the wall wrong and it's not in the isolation tree or it's not in some kind of updated manual. And I say updated very loosely. <laughs> yeah, um, we increase our mission readiness times, right? You say, well, if I can already have it tell me what's wrong and order its own part before it lands, uh, man, I can I can already be on standby and while we're doing it, while we're doing a plane uh, uh, unload and reload of passengers, I can swap out this and ops check it real quick. But I also kind of think 
you know, it's good for those, those kind of things, but bad because we as maintainers are kind of losing that, that, well, uh, that skill of troubleshooting. I'm trying, I was trying to think of a better way to say it. it's almost like being a shoe cobbler, right? Yes. It's, it's a dying trade. Well, sort of feels like, sort of feels like, and being really good at troubleshooting is almost a dying breed. Um, yes. There's not a lot of people who are, who are great at it anymore. Now, not to say that you wouldn't have to troubleshoot your electronic system, but nobody, it feels to me anyways, at least where I work at, nobody is super intimate with the system to be able to know what's going on just by a sound or just by watching, you know, a number fluctuation on the, on the screen. Right. Um, But I also think that's tied in with, you know, parts. I mean, aircraft parts are very expensive. Don't get me wrong, but there's an abundance of parts now, you know, I, I think. And so, it's it goes okay. Well, a plane sitting on the ground isn't making any money, so we'd rather spend some money and swap this part out, and then send the affected component back to the back shop where the where you know where the maintainers can can work on it in their in their leisure. Um, it's more economical for us to shotgun parts at it. Boom! Did that fix it? Yep. Hey, we're off and running, you know? Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm not losing. I'm not having to cancel uh, a revenue flight because uh, six has to go troubleshoot the left engine uh, uh, oil consumption issue, you know? Yeah. And that that is very uh, on the money on that one. Um, and parts in itself, that that's. And I think that's another thing going since you mentioned parts is like we've gotten very accustomed of just, as you said, just shotgunning, just throwing parts at it, hoping that that's going to fix it. Now, I have seen some individuals who were very frugal about having to replace things like they they want to really get down into the grit of what's making this part tick or what's making it work. And um, it's gotten more complicated, I would say. Because not not it's not just valves and timing and springs anymore or uh, baffles. Now it's all just like these little electrons that zoom across the circuit board kind of thing. So the troubleshooting of it is a little harder, but at the same time, like you still gotta have that mindset of knowing how, where, and when to troubleshoot this. Like, what things do I need to turn on and off? How do I find the root cause and chase this down? Kind of kind of troubleshooting mindset. That's what we mean. Like. That kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think sweet. most of us would agree. Like that is what a feeling, man. There's, there's, that's a pretty good high when something breaks and you've been troubleshooting it for a couple hours, and all of a sudden you just find the smoking gun, and you're like, "Oh my god, oh my god, finally, I did it! I did it! Me, I did it! I found this, I found the problem, and I fixed it." Yeah. Um, and, uh, but you know that that feeling sort of gets taken away we find our our thrills by hey how long was that how long was that air you know aircraft on the ground for well it landed at 11 and we had it back up in the in the air by 11 30 wow and you know that's crazy um pretty good now somebody out there might be going wow it took you 30 minutes to turn it well okay yeah maybe if it's a smaller aircraft but let's say oh it only took us 30 minutes to turn it and it was a 787 with that was a full flight like wow <laughs> we 
we kicked ass and I, I changed the component out and fixed and all that within that 30 minute window. And we didn't lose any time. Like, yeah, that's where you find it now. You're like, okay, I, I'm, I gotta, I'm, I gotta do the buzzer beater, you know? Yep. <laughs> I do my half court Hail Mary. Oh yeah. And I love those feelings. If, you, if you've ever been a mechanic or if you've ever experienced that, you know what we're talking about. Like it, it, there's this sense of like fulfillment when you see it uh, go up and away and actually come back down safely. Um, so like what uh what have we learned from this stuff, right? Um from from the areas that we've been in, digital is in full swing. Like um uh, certain areas like it's been digital, right? Or they've made that transition like as soon as they came up with the idea. And for the places that haven't, I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah, you gotta embrace the suck. It's gonna happen. It's inevitable. <laughs> but at the same time, as MVP has said, like just because it's transitioning to digital, it doesn't mean it's all encompassing or it's uh it's uh it's all ending. Like we still have to practice uh these hard skills that uh like troubleshooting, for instance. And we have to practice like contingencies for the in the event that these things break, because they can and will especially with the amount of uh, turnover we were going to push these things through, especially when, especially in the commercial realm, because flights come and go every 30 minutes. And depending on how many planes you have in your fleet, you'll cycle through all your up planes real fast. <laughs> and if uh, we're not planning for any contingencies, like say the system crashes or the onboard troubleshooting computer crashes, now we're stuck. <laughs> And we got to figure out a way to get keep that moving because uh, as passengers, we've all seen this. Even so much as a 15-minute delay can offset so much in, in the long run. Like you land, you take off 15 minutes late. That means you land 30 minutes late, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it all compounds. We don't want that. And any any maintainer out there will tell you, we don't want that. We want you flying up and away and out of our hair on time and on track <laughs> or on track and on time. <laughs> yeah. If I got a, if I got a bird sitting in the hangar, but it'd be for uh, a phase maintenance or a, uh, or a TCTO of some type. I don't want it to be for no piddly crap that broke, you know, in the right. interim. Yep. Uh, I'd rather have, uh, I'd rather have a bird down that's scheduled to be down versus the unscheduled maintenance. Yep, exactly right. And digital is great, but it is limited. It's limited uh, to the person or the user, say. And uh, we can't really dispel this fear, but the way digital is going now, it's it's looking unlikely that it's going to replace the thinking human. So a lot of uh, the air quote old timers out there, like you're still relatively safe. (laughs) that they're still going to need your hard skill wisdom and knowledge to help run the line like i highly doubt at least in my mind anyway now this is not like speaking authority here but in my mind i don't think that the thinking human is going to be removed from the equation anytime soon and if they are it's going to be like a very minuscule task that didn't need human interaction in the first place like yes or no go or no go like okay like it's it may not be a critical task and i and i still find that hard to believe there's going to be some kind of ai program out there that's gonna make those critical decisions and replace the thinking human at least in my mind again (laughs) that goes back to maybe our 
our uh, R2-D2 styled friend. Yeah. Maintenance buddy. On the, yeah. Giving us some beep boop beeps of encouragement while we're out there on the line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, final thoughts on this MVP. Uh, well, you know, we're not escaping digital. And in fact, at this point, I kind of don't want to escape digital. It's just, it's so much uh, user more user-friendly and, and handy to have essentially everything kind of a, on one computer, right? I don't have 10 different books. I can have my, you know, electronic maintenance manual, my TO uh, or maintenance manual, you know, um, uh, what did I say before? Electronic uh, logbook, I meant. Yeah, but then, um, you know, your maintenance manual, plus you can have drawings up. You can have everything kind of on a different screen pulled up at one time at one spot and and uh, do a quick search to find it without having to comb through the table of contents, you know. So, um, you know, it's good to be digitized. But, but again, like I said before, it's only as good as the people inputting the data. So... Just because everything's uh, digital doesn't mean you get to be a slack jaw on your paperwork. Yes. Um, you start to put forth the same effort and type in, type in the good job. Cause I still see even in uh in electronic log books, you get in there, you know, remove panel, which, which panel and why <laughs> did you remove it? Yep. You know, I <laughs> just remove panel. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we are kind of triggering a lot of individuals because especially in uh, in certain areas where the end all be all is the AMP license holder or the AMP certificate holder, that might just be it. Like remove panel. Cool. Removed panel. Right. Now, again, this is all based on whatever your maintenance manuals tell you. So, I mean, by all means, follow that. But as MVP have said, like uh, just because it's it's mathematically, statistically sound it doesn't mean that it's practical and vice versa like it, it depends on the the input of the user that means you so um a closing thought on it and is uh just because it's making things more convenient doesn't mean that uh, as mvp said like you you can slack on your skill set because that's what we pay you to do is to is for your skill set and knowledge base so don't rely too heavily on the technology and keep on practicing those those um, hard skills because there's going to be a time when the computer will run out of batteries or the computer, the server will crash and we're left to you. And if your answer is like, well, I need to plug in to figure out what's going on. That's not going to jive. <laughs> yeah. Say we get into a, another pandemic and there's a part shortage. Guess yeah. what you're going to be doing on the line. You're going to be troubleshooting that component because there's no replacements in the storage room. Yep. So, uh, and supply. So, uh, pitter patter with your multimeter. <laughs> exactly. But let us know what you think. Like, uh, do you feel like digital is not moving fast enough? Do you think it's moving too fast? Uh, how do you feel about digital po- possibly maybe replacing some jobs? If there, if there is jobs that have already been actively replaced by them. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, hit us up on all the various social medias in our website. Hit us up on our email. Tell us your thoughts and we'll, we'll be happy to answer them. We'll be happy to share them. And if we get enough response, maybe we'll make a whole other episode just on that. On that note, everyone, thanks again for listening. And we will see you again next time. Bye, everybody. We would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to make episodes 
maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners. With special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Eric Shaw, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Mike Sherwood, Caleb Stockhill, and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks like access to our private Discord, discounts and early access to our merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. You can further support us and show off your prowess as an aircraft specialist by visiting our shop at cancelformaintenance.com. If you like classy or rugged watches, visit our affiliate Rockwell Time at rockwelltime.com. Use the code CX, the number 4MX, to save 10% off your total order. If you have suggestions for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at cancelformaintenance.com and we'll do what we can to get both your ideas and yourself on the show. Please support us on social media like Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or Twitter at C-X-M-X Podcast. Please check out our new comic series on the Tapas app. Like, share, subscribe, and comment on our comics. Let us know what you think. Thank you all so much for your support and listenership, and we will catch you all next time.